Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. You're talking Dr. Jones. Oh. Okay. Dr. Jones? Dr. Jones? KFI AM uh, 640. Bill Handel here. It is a uh, Thursday morning, June 16. Uh, a pleasure to have you with us. Uh, time for Dr. Jim Keeney. Jim, of course, who's co-director of the ER at Mission Hospital in Mission Viejo. Uh, Jim, good morning. Thanks, as always. Good morning, Bill. Boy, has been, it's been a little bit of, uh, of uh, it's been a little bit of time since we last talked. Okay, uh, let's, oh, God, I got a lot of stuff to talk to you about. All right. I, for some reason, I'm uh, spending a lot of time thinking about uh, COVID. Uh, mainly, not that I have it, but I'm uh, about to travel. I'm leaving uh, next week for vacation. And, of course, I'm thinking, okay, crowds, 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 crowds. Um, COVID immunity and uh, a blood test that may or may not be out there giving us some insight as to uh, what our immunity is at any given time. Yeah, this is a new blood test. It's uh, just been developed to look at T cells because that's the part, you know, you and I have been talking about this, how there's two parts of your immune system. There's the part that's the antibodies and those float around and they gum up the virus uh, um, so it can't attach and it can't replicate uh, and they can stop the infection from happening. T cells, uh, on the other hand, are more the memory. And so they're a cellular part of our immune system. And when they see the, vi the virus, then they can attack it directly uh, or they can stimulate other cells to produce antibodies. So you're, uh, that's a, a big part that we don't have a test for currently. This is a new test that's been developed but not approved yet. So it's not out in the wilderness yet, but uh, hopefully sometime soon we'll have that. They do have these tests in research labs and, and places like that uh, where they look at uh, T cell activity. This, still, this new test still doesn't tell you like the level of activity, like are you extremely reactive with your T cells or mildly reactive, but it will say that you have a T cell response. And the reason that's important is because T cells can respond to something close. It doesn't have to be an exact match like antibodies. So, so far when they've looked at all the different variations, your T cells are able to recognize every different variation if they're activated uh, to the COVID uh, virus and don't depend so much on the different strain. All right, let's bring in the white cells. We haven't talked about those, uh, you know, the actual fighting cells in your body. How does that all connect? Yeah, so T cells are one of the type of white blood cells, okay. and then you have B cells that also are, are memory cells and are um, and produce antibodies. And so they all work together. It's a very complex little dance, and it's pretty amazing. I mean, I think most medical students, you know, cringe at the idea of learning immunology, but then once you get into it and you see how complex and elegant the whole system is, it's, it's hard not to be impressed. I mean, it's, it, it's a pretty cool little, little dynamic between different types of white blood cells that either mark, mark this virus for death, mark cells infected for virus for death, and then another killer T cell comes along and kills it uh, versus the antibodies versus the memory uh, really neat. What's the next step in the fight against uh, COVID? 
I mean, are we looking for a magic bullet vaccine or is it just we've got a chronic issue now going on, you know, welcome to the world of uh, the flu every year. And uh, that's just one of the things we deal with. Yeah, I mean, it's seeming more and more like it's not just going to burn itself out and we'll stop seeing COVID like uh, we've done with other SARS type viruses. Um, You know, MERS is still hanging on that Middle Eastern respiratory syndrome is another uh, um, type of uh, COVID type virus. And that's still but at a much lower level, still kind of circulating out there. And now this is circulating. So uh, it doesn't seem like it's going away. It does seem like it's endemic, and therefore it's going to be kind of a it's, – it's like living with a chronic disease. You've got to just live with it every day and see how it's going and, and react accordingly to uh, any changes in the environment. Yeah. Well, you, do you see an annual uh, COVID shot, like an annual flu shot? Yeah, I wonder because, I mean, again, efficacy, we're hoping that you can maintain efficacy as they develop these shots. I mean, that it does seem like to some extent uh, the efficacy is falling off a bit. Uh, but and, and so I don't think we're going to be able to convince people to get, say, a shot every five months or a shot every four months. So if it drops any lower than that, I doubt you know, we'll have cooperation with that kind of uh, vaccine. We may have to look at other alternatives or maybe future vaccines will have a longer lasting mm. impact. And then the, the other thing is once we can measure these T cells more reliably, maybe we'll find that we're worried about the wrong thing, that we don't need to worry about it, that uh, we're getting this T cell immunity that has some memory to it. And even if we don't have circulating antibodies, uh, we'll be okay. I mean, the problem with that is in the real world, we are seeing that it's not just your antibodies dropping off, but we're seeing that the longer you've been since a vaccine, the more likely you are to get infected and slightly more likely to be hospitalized if it's been a long time. Jim, monkeypox. First of all, of course, it's no longer going to be monkeypox because the World Health Organization says that it stigmatizes people who have monkeypox into making us make fun of them or making them feel bad that uh, they have monkeypox. I mean, what's worse, actually getting it or having people think you have it? Don't know the answer. But uh, let's talk about uh, the the medical aspect of this. Uh, is it getting more and more dangerous? I mean, are we really looking at a serious outbreak here? Well, that's the question that the CDC is asking. There are at World Health Organization. They're looking at whether they should, you know, announce that this is a, uh, you know, a, a world uh, uh, emergency, international health emergency. And, uh, you know, they don't want to get ahead of themselves. On the other hand, you don't want to be behind the eight ball. Right now we're at only 1,600 cases that we know of in the world across about 40 different countries, you know, of those seven or eight normally have monkeypox, so not a big thing. And there's been no deaths in the countries outside the normal endemic countries. So, you know, it, putting it in context, it's, it's a pretty low risk still for us right now. Uh, it's just something that people should be more aware of so that when you do break out with a little, a pox is like a bliss, is a small pimple-like blister. Right. So when you break out in something with a pox, you, you maybe think of monkeypox and go see your doctor or, or go get tested for it. Um, it's, it's not something we have widespread testing for either. So that's something. Do we need to ramp that up and have that ability to test? Uh, just lots of questions right now, more than answers. We're not really even sure the transmission. You know, it doesn't seem super transmissible because it's not transmitting widely yet. 
Um, and so, but, and, and we're seeing certain characteristics, right? Like men who have sex with men uh, uh, or people who have attended, say, uh, large get-togethers like raves or concerts. Uh, th- these are kind of the population that we're seeing breaking out. Uh, let's move over to a, a, a different topic for a minute. And, uh, and I've talked about this with you, and this is I'm gonna, there's just a premise here that I just love. This one happens to be the connection between dementia and sleep uh, and uh, the connection between dementia and insert name of any uh, ingestible, any uh, activity. Uh, I mean, it's it, there seems to be no limit to what uh, here is a connection, heart disease, uh, cancers, uh, in this case, dementia and sleep. I, as you look at this and you can see these causal connections, they, they really are unlimited, aren't they? Well, I mean, they are. So these are associations and it's harder to prove cause, right? So the rooster crows and the sun comes up. Did the rooster cause the sun to come up? We know that to that not to be true. And uh, so association doesn't always mean cause. But in this case, it's just common sense, right, that healthy living overall can cause health you know, health improvements and unhealthy living can cause health problems. So sleep is a part of healthy living. And so, yes, it can impact things like uh, your weight, right? People who don't sleep less have a harder time losing weight and gain weight more easily. People who uh, sleep less are more tired. They may not get as much exercise. So it really rolls out to impact so many areas of health that sleep is critically important. And when it comes to brain health, and that's what dementia really is, is how healthy is your brain? Um, you know, it's going to impact it. Uh, I've done some interesting QEEGs, which is a qualitative EEG. It takes an EEG, which is all those little squiggly lines on your brain waves, and turns them into colorful pictures that are a lot easier to interpret and look at based on whether you're above or below average in these wavelengths. I've done a couple of those myself. And when you're sleep deprived, you can clearly see a difference in brain waves, which will have a negative impact on your brain health. So, and again, it's it's a question of, uh, and I don't know the statistics and how it works because there you you take a, a level of fanaticism, and I've always enjoyed people that spend all of their time uh, dealing with the healthiest living they possibly can, exercise as much as possible within reason, of course, eat healthy, uh, don't eat any garbage food, and then they end, end up with some horrible disease which kills them. Uh, I really enjoy that when that happens, Jim, uh, but. <laughs> Is have they ever figured really out? Do. I, I, well, I do. Oh, Jim, there's nothing like it. I, every time someone pops off of a after uh, the, what do you call it, uh, taking a run and dying of a heart attack, that exercise will kill you every single time. That's why you want to stay sedentary because you don't die of that. It, it's uh, it, it has medical science as a general consensus been at what level you really want to go to an optimum level of uh if it can be measured of calories healthy living uh the kind of foods the kind of exercise the kind of activity is there a formula out there that is discernible you know i haven't found one you know beyond like kind of what your mother tells you right yeah common sense and living healthy like the people who obsess about it and are have anxiety over it they're probably contributing to their own demise just over the anxiety people who i hope there are disorders right there's there's disorders of exercise disorders of eating where people take it too far and so you know there is a balance and life is all about just balance right i mean you work you work you play you enjoy you know 
your occasional uh, alcoholic drink, you enjoy, enjoy some caffeine, you, you know, those type of things, it's not going to kill you. On the other hand, extremes of those, which we all tend to, unfortunately, because in American society, we have access to all these things. We have the money and the access to be able to kill ourselves, you know, with with all these extremes. So it's just about balance and it's just about recognizing that if you push yourself to the point where you're, you're getting six hours of sleep or less and low quality sleep, you're probably impacting your health. Uh, but if, if you don't need to sleep 12 hours a day, that's not going to help you. Uh, you know, Jim, I don't think we've ever asked about this because I just have my assumptions about you. You seem to me uh, to be the, uh, you know, moderate eating, moderate exercise, uh, head screwed on pretty straight. Uh, and you said all of us have like our picadillos. Uh, so how would you grade yourself in the world of uh, living moderately and not having crazy stuff going on? And if you do, I really want to know what it is. <laughs> Yeah, no, of course, for me, I grade myself as 100% right on the mark, right where you should be for healthy living. My uh, my guilty sin is salt, which is a uh, really a, a major problem for health, you know, and for uh, heart health and brain health. Oh, and I all know that. It. So you use a lot of salt. Yeah. Oh, I love salt. I mean, I would if you give me the option of a sweet dessert versus more of, of like potato chips or something salty, I love salt. So that's my where I have to control myself, and that's where I would give myself low marks because, I mean, we just take in so much salt in the United States. You know, healthy amount is two grams a day. Uh, you know, considered an acceptable amount is four grams a day, and the average American takes in more like ten grams of sodium a day. Yeah, and I say so you don't, and you don't need control. any salt because it's just in, in the food that you eat. There's enough salt, so you never have to take a salt shaker to your food. Is that right? Yeah, I mean, this is definitely it's it's hidden everywhere. So I can tell you, like people with congestive heart failure, if they have any dietary indiscretions and they take in too much salt, they'll go into heart failure. And uh, we see it every Thanksgiving and every Christmas when they're at relatives' houses because salt is hidden everywhere in the foods. And all of a sudden they eat gravy or they eat canned soup or they eat processed meats. And those are all so heavy in salt or salsa. You know, they, they, they have so much salt in them that they'll go into congestive heart failure and say, no, I never picked up a salt shaker the entire time. Yeah, and my father was that way. Uh, my father's whole issue, I mean, he had congestive heart failure and his whole thing was salt. And he would uh, eat food but never put a salt shaker on theirs. Have a lot of salt. And, of course, he ended up dying of congestive heart failure. Uh, so, yeah, uh, that certainly um, hits home. All right, Jim, uh, thank you, as always. Uh, you have a good one. Take care. All right, Dr. Jim Keeney, co-director of the Art Mission Hospital, Mission Viejo. He's our go-to guy, uh, as always. Now, uh, moving over to uh, our next Olympics coming up. L.A. is going to have the third go-round uh, with the Olympics in 2028, uh, 1932, 1984, uh, and uh, 2028. Uh, matter of fact, uh, a fun factoid is the only two Olympic Games in modern Olympic history to have made money not cost billions of dollars uh, in uh, deficit were the two Olympics held in uh, Los Angeles. Uh, 1932 Olympics, Coliseum was built for those, uh, made money. And 1984, made money. Uh, so we're looking at 2028. Because usually the Olympics cost in the billions of dollars deficits. I mean, there's a, it's obviously very big money. 
you've got uh, the travel that comes into a, a given city, of course. Uh, broadcast rights are in the billions and billions of dollars. But what uh, the uh, cities have to do is not only have the infrastructure, that is the venues themselves, but also the transportation and the housing for the athletes and, and, and. So the investment is in uh, sometimes in the tens of billions of dollars. I think uh, China spent, what, in the Beijing Olympics, $50 billion, something along those lines. I mean, just a fortune. Uh, but they weren't in, they were, that was not money for them. Uh, they had other motives. Uh, they, they were basically introducing them. There was their coming out party as a world, major world power, and they were willing to spend that kind of money. So what's going on here? Well, the big story here is not so much the venues. I mean, SoFi Stadium is there. We already have... Uh, the velodrome uh, in the valley. I mean, we have most of the the swimming uh, the uh, swimming venues. They're all built. Uh, the issue is going to be transportation, and I even think uh, the housing for the athletes. They may or may not be built. Uh, I don't know what the plans are at this point. But the big story here is the transportation infrastructure. And one of the things about Los Angeles is. We have a real issue with uh, transportation infrastructure. We're a car society. And a car society does not work anymore in, uh, in a congested area. It just doesn't. Uh, we look at the freeways. You're jammed. One of the things about subways, I don't care how jammed they are, once you get on a subway uh, car, you go from here to there. Uh, you don't get blocked up inside the tunnels. You're actually moving. When you're in a car and you're driving down the freeway, uh, and you're stuck, you are stuck. You're not moving, and therein lies a huge problem. Uh, our car culture with enough people just doesn't fly. With enough people, when you have a good uh, subway system or a good transit system, a light rail system, it can get uncomfortable, it can get crowded, but you're moving, and that's a huge difference. So what L.A. has to do is figure out how we're going to move X number of millions of people that are going to be showing up or at least hundreds of thousands of people and then just make it easy uh, for, well, the media, the athletes, uh, the business. Oh, probably, yeah, this is a million people maybe. Uh, but it has to be done smoothly. Uh, the whole world is watching. And here is where uh, L.A. can really score because combine the fact that already in the works there are plans to really bring uh, the transportation uh, infrastructure Los Angeles finally getting there we've known for a long time and we've been playing with the subway system for a while it's a real slow slow grind and a, and a rail system slow slow grind well that's going to be turboed it's really going to start moving because of a couple reasons the Olympics and there's a political will and two there's money there Part of the infrastructure bill. As a matter of fact, Alex Padilla, who is our senator, has introduced a bill saying that uh, infrastructure, transportation infrastructure dollars coming from the federal government should be given priority to Los Angeles because of the Olympics. Whoa, okay. And you're not seeing a whole lot of pushback from the Biden administration either. Now, there's some people that are going, hey, what's Los Angeles? Come on, you know, what are the rest of us, chop liver? Yeah, you are chop liver because we have the Olympics. The Olympics are not only a city pride, they're a national pride. And so we've got a shot at actually making it happen, more so than we did but for the Olympics. There are 200 projects on the table. 200 of them. 
Uh, some uh, are being thought up now. Some have been around for a while. Some are partially funded. Some won't be funded for decades. A people mover in Inglewood, extension of the Green Line. Now it's the Sea Line from Redondo Beach to Torrance, a rail line through the East San Fernando Valley, uh, bike lanes, uh, more bike sharing programs. And we're going to try, or they're going to have to figure out which one is which. Now, not all of them are going to make the cut, but the planners are already in mind. And I think what's going to happen this time is because of the political will, because of uh, enough people, I think, being upset enough with the traffic being as bad as it is, and actually feeling like they can do something about it. There's a lot of, uh, you know, what can we do a lot? You give, you give up the ghost on this one. I don't think so. Now that we have the Olympics coming, now that the infrastructure bill is in place, uh, it, it may all gel together where L.A. has a real opportunity uh, to make some real inroads. And the other thing which made it really easy last time is that everybody was so frightened of the traffic that no one showed up. That was the best two weeks that L.A.'s ever had in terms of traffic. Nobody was here. How did I know that? Because I left. And I wanted to make sure I wasn't here. I didn't want to be in the traffic. So that's two things we can do. Nobody shows up, just the people that are visiting for the Olympics. Everybody else leaves. Or we actually do all of this. And this will last for generations to come i mean we're as now part of the city's infrastructure now i uh, want to finish it up with a uh, disney story i uh, love talking about disney uh, there is something about disney well let me start with the uh, people who are disney fanatics uh, Disneyites, uh, you know, memorabilia collectors, uh, clubs. I mean, there are people that have worked at Disney. They, you know, people that are 70 years old that worked at Disney as teenagers and in their 20s that still get together every week and have clubs and vacation together. And there's just uh, this sense of camaraderie and then uh, the memorabilia crowd. I mean, all of it. Believe me, no other organization has this. You don't see that kind of fanaticism with uh, other organizations. Universal's, Universal doesn't have that. The studios, you certainly don't see that with manufacturers of toys anyplace else. You see it with Disney as this entity. And uh, as a matter of fact, uh, I want to point this out. And this is where I uh, really got to this. There is a, uh, a book being, being written by a, a professor, religion professor at Lehigh University. Her name is Jody Eichler Levine. And the book is titled Faith in Disney, Finding Religion at the Happiest Place on Earth. And as I was reading this, it occurred to me, so you find religion there, right? Uh, no, it is religion there. Uh, this is, and I'm not saying this pejoratively either. I, what I am saying is Disney is such an outlier company. It is such a, an extraordinary place that uh, literally it, people who view Disney almost view it as close to a religion as you can to in any, any place in corporate America. Uh, and even so, when you think about it, the way Disney was created, the way that uh, the parks particularly were created, they talk uh, about the Magic Kingdom. There is a certain part of uh, a religiosity that just goes beyond uh, the pale. And so with that, uh, people uh, obviously in chat rooms and uh, various emails and posts, uh, they talk about Disney and a lot of people make fun of them. 
Now, a lot of people make fun of him. The difference is most people who are Disney fanatics who are posting, and there are people that do nothing but post Disney stuff. They live for Disney. I don't know if you've met them. Uh, they actually view their fanaticism as a badge of honor. So uh, among these online subcultures, right, uh, adults who love Disney, and they're called Disney adults, in quotes, uh, are easy. They're a target. They get roasted. Uh, there's one going around right now, a Reddit post uh, from a 28-year-old bride, a woman who got married at Disneyland, of course. Uh, she uh, and her 30-year-old husband uh, had their choice. Do they spend uh, their catering budget at a Disney wedding on food? I mean, there's going to be some food, but do they really go for food, or do they have an appearance by Mickey and Minnie instead of most of the food? Well, guess what? Yeah, Mickey and Minnie went uh, uh, won that one, and of course, that exploded all over the internet. And then uh, you have people that also uh, get involved, uh, for example, and they post uh, talking about waiting hours in line for a special new popcorn bucket. People spend four hours. Well, first of all, people spend four hours waiting for a new ride. Figure that one out. Uh, and uh, there's a, a video out there uh, of a woman who cried when she finally got to hug Goofy after the pandemic halted her uh, interactions. I mean, it's that kind of crazy. It is. So as you can imagine, people make a lot of fun of those uh, Disney fanatics. Uh, I've always enjoyed them. I mean, I love the memorabilia stuff. All right. So with that in mind, um, uh, let me quick, uh, Shannon, hang on a minute. I want to just uh, say I'm uh, taking handle on the law phone calls after you guys go on the air. Uh, 877-520-1150. I'll be doing it off the air. So uh, with You're telling people to call into your show instead of listen to our show? No, they do both. They do both. Okay. They're multitaskers. They can listen to your show (laughs) while they're on hold. I love it. Wouldn't do that to you. I are you just real quick, are you a Disney fanatic? Are you one of those? No, No. I think it's a mental illness. Oh good. Okay. We're on the same page. I mean I enjoy the park, but the people that go all the time, you know, like the nails of the world. Nails of Adra. Uh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) There's something off. There's some wires crossed. Um okay. The adults, too. If you're a kid and you want to go every day, totally fine. That's the whole point. Disney um, adults. And yes, yeah. exactly. Okay, I have something, uh, two things, actually, near and dear to your heart. Costco oh. and a lawsuit. Oh! Two Costco shareholders have filed a lawsuit that claims the company mistreats its chickens. They say the rotisserie chickens are bred too big to stand on their own, and the little chickens suffer before they die and you eat them. They're pretty good sized chicken. You ever they are. Five bucks. And those little legs, how do they stand on those little legs? Five bucks. I know. Four ninety nine. For the biggest four ninety nine, sir. And it's been that way for thirty mm-hmm. years. Best deal in the world. But they can't stand. Eh, it's small price to pay. We're terrible people. <laughs> Really terrible people. What else is going on? Uh, We have bombshell news coming out of the DA's office coming up next. This is about the guy that killed those two El Monte cops. Looks like the DA's office under the guy who's squatting there may be paying for their funeral, his funeral. 
All right, that's coming up, uh, Gary and Shannon show, starting just a few moments. And uh, you can call me right now, 877-520-1150, handle on the law. I'll be giving you marginal legal advice off the air, and you can still listen to Gary and Shannon on the phone while you're on hold. Uh, we do it again tomorrow morning, 5 o'clock, wake-up call with Jennifer, uh, starting at 5, and then 6 to 10 o'clock, the rest of us. And up right now... Uh, Gary and Shannon, right here, at KFI AM 640 Live, everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.